Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Welcome to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Really great to have you with us. Uh, on the podcast this week, I spoke to the Welshman Sean Parrish. Uh, now he joined Chesterfield um, under the management of Nicky Law in 2000 and was part of the Chesterfield squad that year um, that went on to win promotion. Uh, it was also a very turbulent time off the pitch uh, in which a lot of stuff was happening. Uh, so it was good to get his uh, memories and thoughts of his time at Chesterfield. Uh, while he was with us. Uh, he's now part of the Wolves under 23 coaching setup, so another one of our ex-players that's uh, gone into a successful coaching career. So good to have a chat with him about that as well. Uh, and I hope you all enjoy the podcast. Um, as always, we're at Spire Legends on Twitter and Legends of the Spire uh, on Facebook. Uh, so please do get in touch. Tell us if there's any players we've not spoken to that yet that you'd love to hear from, and I'll do my best to get them on. Uh, but in the meantime, with memories of goals, uh, tagger episodes, um, and, uh, and characters in that Chesterfield squad from 20 years ago, this is our latest episode with Sean Parrish. So you're, um, as, as we can tell, you're Welsh. You're yep. up in Wrexham. Wrexham, born in Wrexham, yeah. That was where I was born, but lived in a little uh, town or a little village, really, uh, about 10 miles away, a little place called Chirk. So it was right on the border. Obviously, you can put one foot in England and one foot in, in Wales, so to speak. So, uh, and then the nearest nearest town was Os Street, which was obviously in England. Um, and Wrexham, obviously, was the big, biggest town, um, 10 miles away. Um, but grew up in Chirk, went to school in Llangollen, a uh, nice, uh, nice sort of a uh, little village in the... Uh, Wales in the hills of Wales, sort of speaking, and uh, by the river there. So uh, now I'm all my family uh, are still there. Mum and dad are in Chirk, and my brother's actually in mm. Chirk Bank. He's actually got a, a Welsh postcode, but in English, he's actually in an English uh, house. He is over the border in uh, in England, so to speak. So uh, my sister's there in, in Chirk as well. So Can you speak Welsh then? Because obviously North Wales um, is a bit more of a Welsh speaking. Yeah, no, I must admit it was hard. It was hard and, and, and French, I found it. We could drop it into our sort of third year of school. We, we, we could sort of drop it. So, uh, yeah, I did. And for well, the odd the odd word and that. But uh, no, I'm not a fluent Welsh speaker at all, which, which is really poor, really, when you look back and I'm being sort of a proud Welshman. I'm, it's not the, uh, obviously, South Walians, obviously. But uh, now it's, uh, it's uh, obviously a hard language, I must admit. So yeah, I didn't yeah. take it any further. <laughs> Who, who was your team then growing up? Um, Liverpool, well, Liverpool and Wrexham. I must admit, I followed Wrexham a little bit. Obviously, when we we could go there and watch watch them, and it was like Dixie McNeil, Steve Buxton, people like that there. Um, but Liverpool, really, growing up watching watching Liverpool, and uh, I'd be in the backyard and I'd watch the cup final, and uh, five minutes later I'd be in the backyard and pretending I was Kenny Dalglish or uh, <laughs> Ian Rush. So uh, yeah, but. Uh, Again, going back, I think it was my granddad was a big Evertonian though, so I don't know why. I probably just chose Liverpool to wind him up, and we'd have a bit of banter, really. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, Liverpool was uh, was my team, and, and still is really. But I do I do like looking at Wrexham as well. Mm. Um, to obviously to obviously a big club as well. Um, back in the day, as as in obviously um, in that league now, and uh, it's a tough league as as, as Chesterfield know to get out of. I, I'm sure the National League is. Is harder to get out of than probably any other league. Probably, oh, it's it's got to be. It is like a league five now, isn't it? It's uh, that that many ex-league clubs in there. It's uh, 
it is really tough. And I say, and people chuck their money at it and have a go with Wrexham, where the owners looks like they may have a go. But then obviously, if you don't, if you don't be successful, another manager bites the dust. Unfortunately, Dean Keats going, obviously not not making the playoffs on the last day. So it's uh, it's cutthroat as well. Oh, yeah, crikey. So so then, how did you end up? Because you started your like playing career at Shrewsbury, didn't you? Yeah, um, as, as a youngster, I wasn't really. I just played local football really for my little, obviously for Chirk on a Saturday, and then I did go over sort of the board on a Sunday. I, I met a friend of mine come over to sort of Wales on a Saturday to play with me, and I went on a Sunday to play with him at Street. So uh, it was just local football. Then I had a scout. So I, I went to Stoke when I was about under fourteen. I had a little couple of trials there, played the odd game, um, and then I actually signed for Wrexham. In like it was they had a like a reserve, like a third team, which was just in a, in a, in the local village team, and and their players again they used to have a, a first team reserves, and it was a third team really. But I wasn't really playing, and I, I was playing one night. I think it was Marine. I was playing for North East Wales boys, and an Everton scout came over to me with a with a card. It was actually a friend of him. He said, "Look, an Everton scout's been here today. He's liked what he's seen. His number. He's had to go, unfortunately, but here's his number." So I thought, oh God, I don't really know about this. But I rang him and, and they ended up, I went up, I went to Belfield on a Saturday morning up to Everton. And, and then that was the day when they had the first team reserves, A and B team. So it was like a B team on a Saturday morning, but playing playing the likes of Chester, Liverpool, United, teams like that. But that was for like the the olds, as in maybe under 18s, 17s, 18s, 19 year olds. And the, a few first team players as well, if they weren't, if they were coming back from injuries. So I decided to stay there for a bit, but then Shrewsbury Town come knocking as well at the same time. I was playing for Shropshire as well, and, and a scout from Shrewsbury Town spotted me. Um, and in the end, they offered me like a, a, a sort of a two-year scholarship. I left school. I just started me uh, the college course at Wrexham, um, and they said, "Look, obviously we, we'd offer you a two years YTS or the the old YTS scholarship." But I'd finished my. I said, "I'm going to stay in college, finish my first year." And then come to uh, come to you to just do like a one year YTS with a guarantee of a one year pro uh, on the back of it. So that's what I decided to do. I left Everton because again, the, even the scout said, "Look, if you've had an offer from Shrewsbury Town, I must admit, I can't, I wouldn't stand in your way, and and I, I would accept that sort of thing." So that's what I did. Ended what, up going to Shrewsbury Town. What were you doing at college? What was your backup plan? It was just really, I think it was just catching up on a few. Uh, um, basic uh, exams that I failed in my last year at school, and it was like a, a bit of a phys- physical education course, really. Mm. That was it because that's that's all I'd ever been was sporty, being either a PE teacher or something like that. That uh, I wanted to do, so I think it was just a, a year and I didn't fancy really working. So, uh, a year at college, and you know, we used to play table tennis and, and a bit like that, really, rather than going to many lessons. I think I ended up playing table tennis most of the time in the uh, common room, but I stayed there for a year. And then joined uh, Shrewsbury Town at the start of sort of would have been my my second year YTS. Mm. Yeah, but then it was probably the clubs afterwards, wasn't it, where you kind of made a name and got lots of games on. Yeah, job. yeah, I broke yeah. I had, I had a couple of sort of uh, first team appearances at the end of my first year when I was still a YTS at Shrewsbury Town. Um, Asa Hartford was manager. He he, th- he threw me in and obviously gave me my debut as well. But again, I was I'm not saying going nowhere. I was in the reserves, playing at a good standard. Again, good. I think that's where I think the the twenty threes and the reserve old reserve team. I always said like playing with some from big names against big names was really beneficial for any youngster. I think 
Um, I know they've tried to replicate it now with the 23s. I don't know if it works or not. But uh, And then uh, Telford, Telford asked me to go on loan. Um, and obviously, she just thought it would be good for my development, which I did. And again, that was, again, I'd recommend anybody, any young person who was or any young player at the club to go and play men's football because I just think that's a, a great learning tool. You, you grow up, it made me grow up definitely. And uh, to learn learn the game a little bit more where there's three points at stake on a Saturday afternoon or a, a Tuesday night, 7.45. Was it, was it a bit of a shock? Yeah, it was the <laughs> yeah. Like you say, you're in men's football, so I imagine you're getting flung into a few 50-50s. <laughs> oh, honestly, me, 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 actually, my good mate Darren Ryan, we both went to Kettering on the. I think our first game was Kettering away on a Tuesday night, and I enjoyed it. It was a bit wet and wild, and I loved it. I was a bit. He was a typical sort of winger who just didn't fancy tackling, and he said, "That's it. I've had enough. I'm going back." So uh, <laughs> he went back after I think the first game, and I stuck it out and. Uh, I just didn't love. I love. I loved. I love the, just the the. Like I said the dressing room, um, the the trainer, the physio would come around and ask you what you wanted for after the game: fish and chips, pie and chips, sausage and chips. And I was like, oh, why? And then you'd sit down, and there'd be at the back where the obviously older players would sit, and they'd be playing cards. I'm a can of beer, and I'm thinking, next thing, I'm sitting down with them, and I'm, go, I said, what are you doing? Play cards. We'll sit here and we'll teach you. So. I ended up playing cards, eating fish and chips on the way home after games and drinking the old can of lager when I was a young kid. So uh, it was a good learning tool anyway, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it, how quickly I suppose you you kind of just settle into something like that, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And they made me feel welcome again. We, again, we had the players like De- Derek Statham was coming to the end of his career and Mickey Holmes from, from Wolves. And they were just great. Paul Dyson, the best Coventry uh, City centre-half and... It was just a great learning tool, and I used to, I just loved it, and I just loved the the feeling of like the the importance of three three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. There's three points at stake now, and I'm a guy. Don't get me wrong, I've seen lads who have their cash in hand and in the envelope sort of thing. Their wages would be, and then they'd be losing it at cards on the on the back of the bus as well after an away game. So uh, there was some uh, there was some definitely learn definitely learning moments on it, both on and off the pitch. So uh, I think it stood me in good stead. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. So after Telford, it was Doncaster, wasn't it? And you had about what sixty-six games, something like that. Yeah, Doncaster yeah. went there again. Another eventful. Obviously, George Foster just coming to Telford, uh, the ex-Mansfield manager, and obviously the Chester uh, Chesterfield assistant now. So I know George really well, and he 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 helped me as well. I still speak to him now regularly, and uh, he come. He didn't want to lose me, but he just knew the the lure of, of, of obviously football league football was too sort of too hard to, for, for me to sort of like uh, turn down. So. Uh, I ended up for signing for Ian Atkins, um, but unfortunately during the off season he was sacked, and uh, I went up to Doncaster not knowing who my manager was, where I was going to live, or my digs or anything like that. So uh, I turned up on the first day of pre-season, and ended up with, living with an old lady there, um, Wendy, who sort of looked after me. And again, I used to take players in years ago, her and her husband, who have sadly passed away now, the both of them, but. Uh, Again, a lovely, lovely place to be up north, and the, the, the people are so friendly. And uh, it was a, a two years of sort of ups and downs, really. And uh, I say that the learning skills and the the chairman there, Ken Richardson, who again had uh, had problems off the pitch. <laughs> I think he follows me around, must do. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was great, great two years there, and obviously playing with some with some good players there at Chester, uh, to Doncaster as well. What what kind of player were you then uh, around then? What kind of style were you? Um, in my younger days, I would probably say I was a bit of a flying winger. I was very slim. 
Um, I said, chalk and cheese nowadays, but uh, and then I turned out to be more of a just a competitive midfielder, really central midfielder or left midfielder at times, left back even on the odd occasion. But I, I like the the centre midfielder, bit of a, a second ball tackling and then running beyond because I could run and, and get beyond the strikers where not many people do that nowadays. It's all played in front and it's all 500 passes before before they score. It's more of a, a one or two long, long, longer passes, a flick on, and I used to get on the end of things. And that's what I enjoyed because I could run. I must admit, one of my strengths was running. A lot of the ball technically I wasn't great, but I could run. So <laughs> that was one of my strengths. <laughs> It's half the job just being able to run. Yeah, <laughs> There's plenty of footballers that can't run. <laughs> that's the thing, you know what I mean? And on this day and age now, they are athletes, aren't they? And uh, I keep saying, um, I, I probably couldn't take me top, but well, I probably could take me top of them, but I definitely wasn't ripped and uh, I'm definitely not ripped now. But uh, like I say, part and parcel is you, you have the ball in possession for probably two minutes if you're having a good game. And so what are you doing if you haven't got the ball for the other 88 minutes? You, you're defending, you're running, you're tackling and... You're doing a lot of things off the ball, so which yeah. I enjoyed. And then, so then after Doncaster, it was Northampton, uh, and I suppose that's when you had your most success, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it was. Ian Atkins obviously must have done something right because he signed me again two years later. So uh, again, a good friend of mine, Ian, and uh, um, kept in touch, and we do keep in touch now as well. And uh, he, he took, went down there. Uh, my wife, uh, I met her in, in Doncaster, and uh, we went. Everywhere we went, we up and left down to Northampton again, not knowing anybody's like starting school again, a new school, and you again walk into a dress room on that first day, uh, a few faces that you maybe know or you've played against anyway. Uh, but again, it was a it was a tough start. I must admit, because again, you it paid actually not a lot of money for me, but I think I was I went to Doncaster for about twenty thousand, I think, in the end, and uh, Northampton, I think, I upped it to about forty five thousand in the end. So. Uh, it was a bit of pressure on me, and again, it took a little bit of time to settle in. I had a couple of niggles as well, um, but that didn't help. But when I, I got my first goal, sort of thing, that first season, and things just seemed to fall into place, and uh, luckily enough to get to sort of Wembley in the playoff final that first year and go up and and to yeah. play at Wembley is, a, is obviously a boy dream. As in, I say, back in the day when I was playing in the, in the backyard and watching the, the cup finals, I'm actually playing on on Wembley and going up in that first year at, at Northampton was a what was also an unbelievable experience. Frain again, and he's got it! What a marvellous goal from John Frain. Ian Atkins off the bench. The Northampton supporters ecstatic. Ray Warburton, the Northampton Town skipper, is across to accept the trophy, which means that Northampton Town will be playing second division football next season. And you scored in the semi-final, was it? Yeah, Cardiff. I don't uh, like talking about that, but I'm going to. I'm going to have to. Um, <laughs> yeah, ten men away, away, Cardiff, and. Uh, it was back to the wall. It was a, it was a sun, Sunday afternoon. I think it was a Sunday afternoon. I'm right. The, the weather was a bit... The sun had come out and it was raining and it was, the sun had come out again and uh, I managed just to, again, pick the ball up deep in my own half and had a little bit of a jink and uh, I'm, so I think I'm sure Ian Atkins has just said to get rid of it and just kick it in the corner to waste time. But 
I've spotted the keeper off his line, so to speak, and it's it's gone into the uh, the back of the net. And uh, yeah, to to go to go away from home with a one nil sort of lead into the second leg, and I think we won the second leg three to two. So we went through on on obviously the four two aggregate score to uh, to play Swansea in the final. Yeah, and it's it's a nice way to go up, isn't it? In a, in a playoffs, if you win, <laughs> yeah, definitely it is. It's uh, it obviously the, it'd be nice sometimes to to get that. That's obviously the promotion, so you haven't got your sort of season to drag on another week or two. But uh, to go up in the playoffs, and like I say it's, it is entertaining. And uh, I know uh, I said Chesterfield missed out the other uh, the other weekend, but uh, it, it can be horrible at times. But uh, like I say that the feeling when you win, especially just to, to be at Wembley and then to to go up them steps and to get the trophy and then to celebrate on the pitch. It was just, again, a, something that I'll never forget. Yeah. It's interesting as well, you mentioned um, that you moved whenever you like swapped clubs because quite a, most players I've spoken to have not done that and they've always had kind of a base and just done a lot of travelling. Like David Duke was talking about driving to Carlisle. And back I know, I couldn't it, yeah. That um, is, I know, it takes some commitment, obviously, at times. I think, uh, I think obviously, my wife was obviously... Happy to move anyway. She obviously adopted a daughter who was again, I hadn't sort of like set her roots down, but she was also she could obviously join school and, and make new friends. So it was four years, it was a bit of a wrench, I must admit. But we did look enough to move when I signed with Chesterfield, we moved back up to Doncaster. So it was not really a, a new place as such. But yeah, I think when the, when the children are definitely young, it's a lot easier because they, they, again, it's new to them, exciting. But I think sooner or later, when you have got a base and the children are a bit older, then I can see why why people do make a base and, and travel. But sometimes I'm travelling in the, I say, in the cars. I don't know if Reeves' backs, it must be in bits getting out of that car and getting to train, <laughs> to train after. So he must have had a good... Uh, uh, massage or whatever before training, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and then so that's like your potted history before Chesterfield, uh, which is always nice to uh, kind of get an idea of, of where you'd been and stuff before you came to us. And then, so then you signed for Chesterfield, obviously in so it's two thousand, isn't it? So it's uh, like I say, it's twenty years uh, since that season now. So, like, what was the what was what was signing for Chesterfield like? I mean, what what how did it all happen? Um, like you say, for, after spending four years at, at Northampton, all the chair, Yanakis went, and then Kev Wilson sort of took over. Um, and he's obviously all ideas on players, and that's why obviously players move. And I was disappointed. Again, I, I met some really good people there, and still got friends down there now. And it's a club close to my heart because I say four years with with a bit of success, and that's where the, the most success I've had probably. Um, it was hard to leave, and you you panic, you, and then all of a sudden the phone starts ringing. A few people had rang, and then I think Nicky and was he in, I think it was Ian Banks actually banger actually rang me and, and just said we're interested. Would you be interested? Have you got anything lined up? And I just like to sort of like get it sooner or later, get it know where I'm going, um, speak to somebody and get it signed and sealed, and uh, that's what I did really. And you sort of Nicky and obviously you do you do your sort of. Uh, bit of history onto the club and you knew you knew the club obviously a bit of success and, and obviously the FA Cup run obviously not long previously as well so uh, um, it was just a club that I thought well and a chance to get back home to Doncaster as well which my wife was happy with um, so it just seemed to fall into place and uh, yeah I think only a couple of phone calls with uh, Ian and Nicky met, the, met them signed them and it was all well and good you know what I mean and that's when they could relax in and you sort of summer is not panicking you're scrimping around waiting for the phone to ring, you know you've got, again, another contract for for two years I signed. 
So the temptation, because I suppose some footballers, the temptation's there to go, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of options. You know, try and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think I've got a poker face, you know what I mean? I, like, yeah, that, I, was, I never did it for the money, really. I, I just did it because I wanted to play football. And if somebody uh, had offered me £50 a week more, whatever it was, I'd sign it just to know I, I've got that little bit of security behind me and, a, and another, another two-year deal. And I know I probably could have demanded more Never had an agent. Didn't didn't feel like I, I needed an agent. I'd speak to the manager, um, also my wife. In sometimes she'd 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 obviously do the negotiating for me with the Anakins. That's what I used to say. Um, but no, I was quite happy to say, look, get this here. This is what I offer. And yeah, probably looking back, I think. Well, I know there was probably a little bit more money there because I think Luke Beckett and uh, Mike Pollitt and some of the big hitters got the more, more money than me. So, uh, but I was just again quite happy to sign uh, for a club that was uh, I felt wanted. Mm. Yeah, and um, um, what was your like first impressions of the of the club? Because obviously the Saltergate's special little ground, a bit dilapidated, yeah, training all over the place. <laughs> yeah, the ground obviously at first when you go in there, and it is obviously a lot of steeping history. You know what I mean? But uh, it, it was it was it was something that appealed to me. You know what I mean? The pitch was nice. Yes, the stadium and the stand was was a bit dilapidated, and I've seen better days. But that that didn't bother me. That was something that obviously I couldn't affect. We just wanted to to go, and then you'd seen the, some of the signings that they they were making at the time, and I thought, well, we've got something could be happening here, sort of thing. So, uh, um, and and the preseason tour, I think. I think we'd gone. I'm not sure if you went to Scotland. Pre-season. Yeah, I was going to mention this actually because I was looking at the pre-season friendlies before we played Partick and Air, I think. And you yeah, scored against Partick, I think. Partick, yes. And I think I don't know if you can remember. I think they actually filmed an episode of was it Taggart? I think they did. There was something happened, and I can't ever what, but I'm sure they did. It was a, it was a, it was an episode of Taggart, and there was God, I can't think of the actor now who was there, but they showed some some images of football in the background, and yeah, I scored that day as well. So uh, again, that seemed to ease the pressure off me a little bit as well. Uh, we had a night out in, in up in Scotland as well, which was always a good team bonding, and we come we come back on. The, I think everybody was quite. Again, there was there was rumours and there was a bit of a betting. Obviously, when you hear the the betting and Chesterfield are favourites to win the league, it, it just seemed that we we were we built up Nicky and Ian and definitely built a, a, the base of a, a good team. Does that when you hear kind of things like that? Because I, I imagine every season the players will look at where they are in terms of the favourites. But does that kind of make you puff your chest out a bit more, or do you feel the pressure from it? Yeah. No, I think it did. You know what I mean? When you looked around and there was there were some good players, you know what I mean? I know Nicky and, and Ian could only pick 11, but when you looked at the squad we had, they had youth, they had experience, they were, you know what I mean? They, I, I definitely thought, well, this is something, I think we're, we we could do something this year. And uh, again, it was, uh, as we'll speak about in a minute, it was uh, entertaining to say the least. Yeah, and uh, and it's funny, like, just going back to Scotland for a minute, it's one of those things that... Um, like supporters always want every every preseason. It's like, can we have a can we have a trip up to Scotland again? Or a, I think it was it's quite well received. I think when fans get to 
have a bit of a jolly somewhere. See something. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I know at Northampton again. The other clubs I've been to, we've been down to Exeter, things like that, by the by the coast and the games. I think the fans do want to. Um, it makes their sort of summer as well. So if it was a, I can't remember. I think we stopped in Glasgow, if I'm right, but I'm not too sure now. But yeah, it was a. I say party can air. I can remember it now. And uh, the bus journey we could have done with flying up there, but the bus journey seemed a long day anyway. Uh, uh, getting up and back, but uh, now I think the fans do like going and seeing different grounds, really, don't they? A lot of them do do that anywhere to go and visit if it's a, a non league ground or, a, or a, a ground that they've never been before. So it was nice, and uh, yeah, I think that that pre season definitely and it was a bonding exercise at the end of the day. I know Nicky and, and Dean were, were well into that as well, getting the lads together uh, and making sure that when you go away. You sort of like build them links and the relationships you have on and off the pitch, and that, that stood us in good stead for the season to come, I think. And what was uh, what was Nicky like as a as a gaffer? Because he was quite a fearsome player. So. Yeah, I can remember him as a player. I must admit, um, I, he was he was just no nonsense, wasn't he? God, he would uh, he would head and tackle anything. You know what I mean? And uh, um, he sort of mellowed. I think I've definitely seen a sort of mellower side of Nicky when he was manager. Um, yeah, and he had to be. But I think. In a way, I think he mellowed because he had good players in, it, in that squad. You know what I mean? And uh, the results hopefully seemed to seem to fall into, into place. Where if the things had gone wrong, and then would we have seen the the not so nice side of Nicky? We probably would have. But uh, <laughs> definitely, them two years, obviously, or oh, year and a half was it that I seen a good side of Nicky because the results were going well for him. Yeah, and um, and yeah, you had a goal scoring debut. So I think it was was it York. Yeah, York at home. It was again. I can remember Nicky saying as well. It was. I think it was actually Mark Fattenberg's first ever league game as well. If you look back, at, ah. I think that was his first ever game. And I remember Nicky said, "Oh, he's a new referee. He'll do something silly. He might get be careful. Of like a sendings off, which happened. He, he got sent. Somebody got sent off. I think second half for for Mansfield. And I think they took the lead in the first minute, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, it was four one in. The, yeah, it was. It was one nil at half time. One nil down at half. Yeah, that's the thing. One nil. So I think I'm sure again you. Yeah, pre-season and you, you're sort of like together in this and you're thinking you're with your favourites for the league and you're 1-0 down after I'm sure it was the first minute but uh, so then you're on the back foot then but again it was only a matter of time I think because again when you look at some of the results we had the, the goals seemed to flow because again we had, we had goals and we had obviously creators in that team and defenders who could keep clean sheets and obviously defend properly that we were going to win more than we were going to lose, you know what I mean? So and that, that definitely proved it. It was that was going to happen. Did Did you all kind of because I mean you only lost two games, I think, in the first half of the season, something yeah. like. Did you all know your jobs pretty quickly? Oh, de- definitely. I, I just again, I just think that, that again, it does help with good players in a way. Um, but Nicky got us organised. Um, we had a ruthless streak again. Yeah, I can't name it. The the back four, like Big Polly, was a massive plus because. Polly was a great signing for us in goal because um, he did, I'm not saying he did a lot to do, but when he did, he pulled out some big saves. But then you had the likes of obviously Steve Tuttle, Blatherwick, Ian Brecken, Paney, 
Bob Edwards come, you know what I mean? And you know what I mean? You had you had good players there in, in front of him, and then the midfield were again they obviously started, but there was Taffy Ebden was a, a great player. Um, you had Lee Richardson, you know what I mean? Galloway, Tom Curtis was there for a bit before he moved on. Um, and obviously Ryan Williams on the wing and up front you had Luke Becker who couldn't who couldn't miss. He was scoring goals for fun. Roger Willis, John Howard. It was just all team, obviously players all over that was just a good team. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things, isn't it, when you've got a, a team that comes together and and, and like Mike Pollitt was only here for like a season and yeah, it goes down as one of the best goalkeepers we've had, certainly in modern times, when players can uh kind of leave that legendary status I suppose if for such a short period of time it says a lot doesn't it yeah no definitely Mike, Mike was a big player and he was a big personality in the dressing room as well so uh, he, he was a joker as well and there was a few jokers there but again the team spirit I think that that's what got us through eventually I know that season was was more off the field towards the end but definitely the togetherness the lads showed through throughout the season from the I said from the pre-season through right through to the end um, Mike was a, was a big part of that, and no doubt that we, why he went on to have a, such a good career anyway. And he uh, was he was a massive signing for us, and he, like I say, he saved us a lot of games when when he was called upon. Because, but he had good players in front of him, which which helped as well. Yeah, and and like you say, like personality of that squad. I imagine, like looking at the squad, um, I, I imagine if you go in and you've got a bit of a dodgy taste in music, or you know you. <laughs> You won't want to go in with like a dodgy pair of trainers or something. I'm guessing with a squad like that. Exactly. Well, well, well. Bless him. The only one that sticks out, and he did get some stick, was Jay. I don't know if you can remember young Jamie Ingledow, who was from Barnsley. He came as a young kid from Rotherham, and uh, oh my God, he, he did get some stick. And I say Reezy and Payne, obviously Jamie, because he Beaumont was there. Oh. They would, we was like, it was laugh a minute at times, you know what I mean? And uh, you'd walk in, I say, if somebody wasn't wearing the, the right attire or the haircut or something, that it was just you know, game set and match, it was just also just Mickey taking. Uh, and that was just showed us that we enjoyed ourselves both on and off the pitch. And when we went out as well, and the other night out we'd have, it was just so together. And the fans, those were obviously with us as well. Um, the crowds seemed to, I'm not saying we had massive crowds, but. The crowds got behind us, and there was a, always a well-supported and I like the breeds winning as well. When you're winning, I'm sure that some of the fans do come out and say, "Right, let's go and have a look at what's what's happening down there," and, and they come out and support us um, all through the season. Yeah, and I'm guessing that kind of personality of the squad helped more as as the season went on and things became a bit more turbulent. Having a yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and that's what it needed. Some old heads as well to calm the ship at times. You know what I mean? Because Obviously, we we just hit that blip, and when they come in, and that's my biggest disappointment in a way. And I know the nine points would have put us in second place, as such, so we wouldn't have won the league. But I just think if if we didn't have any off-field distractions, I, I thought we were the best team in the league. Brighton, yeah, we're good, Cardiff, we're good, but I thought pound for pound on our, on our day, we would have won that league, and that was the one of the biggest disappointments because you you'd want to win a league no matter what standard you played in. Um, it was always nice to say, look, you were the, the best team in the league after 42, whatever game, 44 games, 46, whatever it was, you were the best team. And I, I hand on heart, thought we were were the best team. Obviously, the points deduction didn't help. And it just, we, we lost a couple of games where, looking back, we wouldn't have done if there was no distractions at the time. I think we would have won the league, gone on and won the league. Yeah. Uh, well, like you say, I don't think we were lower than third throughout the whole throughout the no. whole season, which is, I mean, usually in a promotion season, you have a, 
a blip where it drops you down a little bit, but to only drop as low as third is pretty amazing, really. Oh, definitely. Like you said, like that, that start of the season, it was just we just didn't seem that we were ever going to lose, honestly. It was just every game, or if we did go go behind, we, we knew there'd be goals, like I said, like the, 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 uh, the, your, uh, yeah, was it York? Could we play on the first game? Yeah, York, wasn't it? That York game, the first game, we just knew the goals were going to come. And I think the, the amount of goals we scored, the, the threes and fours during the season anyway, we were, we were sometimes, it was a joke sometimes, we were just scoring at will at times. Yeah, yeah. there was a nice uh, 4-0 against Mansfield, wasn't there? It was pretty early in the season as well. Yeah, early on the season, I can remember that one. I think I set one up for Ryan Williams as well that day and... Uh, it was just again local rivals as well. That was there's no better feeling as well. And then I think we beat my wife from home as well, one nil. And I think we had three parts of the ground, if I'm not right, if I'm not too mistaken that day, because I think we had the both behind the behind the goals and the far end as well. We had fans, so uh, I think we took over that day. But I think we managed. It didn't play that great, I think. But I think we still managed a one nil uh, one nil victory away from home as well. Yeah. Jenkins will leave that one for his keeper, surely. And a chance there for Sean Parrish, he's curling! Oh yes! Sean Parrish! Marvellous goal from Sean Parrish! There's the showman, he's Sean Parrish, the former Northampton man. The goalkeeper came out, the clearance was poor. Parrish lobbed it back into the area. The, the ball was curling and it was inside. Ian Dunbaby's near post for 2-0 to Chesterfield. So I know you'll not like to talk about it, but we'll talk about some of your goals. <laughs> so there's the, the Shrewsbury goal, which was a nice uh, long-range one. Yeah, exactly. It's just, as again, I can remember somebody's played down the line and I can see the keeper coming out of his goal. I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm, I keep saying to my, obviously the lads now who are coaching, just try and think two steps ahead and think that the ball's going to come to you all the time. And I just thought, well, if he hits this now or he miscues it, because he was under pressure as he, as he made the clearance and it it just seemed to come to me and I just not didn't have time to think. I just thought, well, I'm trying to hit this back over your head sort of thing. So then the ball's sort of sailing over his head as he's running back to goal. I think it was Ian Dunbaven actually who was in goal. And again, it was nice to score against Shrewsbury. He was my, uh, obviously looking back at my first, my first club as well. So uh, that was always nice. And I had a few... Fans who are Wrexham fans and and that, so they were happy. And a few Shrewsbury fans who who I've got friends with, they were weren't very happy that day. But uh, that was nice. Is is football a bit like a bit like something like snooker then at, at times? Because like snooker players are always thinking a few shots ahead, aren't they? And like planning it. Is football kind of similar like that in a way? Yeah. Uh, for for me, well, I, I was just I just thought like at, at the times where if God, I'm playing the midfielder, the ball's going to the centre half. And he's under no pressure. He's going to head this quite far. So I'll drop off and try and read the flight of it. If he's under pressure and I can see Reevesy or a Blatherwick like challenging somebody, then they ain't going to get a free header. It's going to be dobbed down or it's going to be knocked down around them. So I'm I'm hopefully on the move trying to read the, the second ball quicker than anybody. And uh, it's just little things like that. And I just, again, I think that comes with experience at time. I'm not saying that's, a, that's just knowledge. I think that's just game understanding. And I think you pick that up. As you play, the more games you play, and the and the more, again, I keep saying it, the the more moments that you do play, and and, and go out there and, and play against men and, and experience real football because that you can't you can't nobody can give you that yeah. sort of speak. That's you, you're sort of like ingrained with that when you when you keep playing football on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, and the, and then uh, Macclesfield hat trick. I mean. It wasn't like a classic hat trick. <laughs> anyway, no, back in, we take a penalty. Your second, yeah, second that, was good. 
But yeah, the first one was a little tapping was, I think, the keeper fumbled it, didn't he? And I just literally toe-poked that in with my right foot. Uh, left foot finished the second uh, first half, so I'd scored two. And I can always remember somebody said, oh, two goals, Sean, penalty second half, you know, haven't you? And I was like, I don't want it, because I think I'd missed one in the uh, Derbyshire Senior Cup, maybe pre-season as well, against Derby. Uh, and I wasn't one for taking penalties, I must admit. It was more like, say, them moments where I don't have to think, I'm, I'm not too bad at them. Um, and then Sod's Law, we get a penalty second half, and I think it was only, only but I think we are 3-1 up or at the time, so they've all looked at me and I thought, oh, here we go, somebody's passing me the ball. Um, and I think, okay, then let's let's take it. And I changed my, I changed my mind. They always say, don't change your mind, but I changed it the last minute. Keeper saved it. I think it comes out, somebody smacks it in, but the referee's already blown for the retake. Um, I can hear Nicky now, and the, the, the nice Nicky is not the not so nice Nicky screaming, give it, get, give it to somebody else, sort of thing. <laughs> but I'm thinking this is my only chance to score a trick. So I grab the ball off somebody, I think it was Ryan Williams. I grab it and I think, no, I'm going to take it again. So uh, put it down, and I'm really just oh, sorry, as hard as I can, and it ends up going going in the back of the net in front of the, the cop of Chesterfield to get a hat trick. So uh, Again, another thing that I'll never, nobody can take away from me to, yeah. to score a league, league hat-trick and I've still got the ball signed. It's, it's a bit flat now, I need some air in. But uh, <laughs> again, it's got uh, got that, to, to, again, a memory that uh, I'll uh, I'll keep forever. Chance again here for the Blues. Luke Beckett goes this time. Willis arriving in the area. Parrish wants it played near. The ball goes far instead. Willis is header. And it's there, she goes with Chesterfield. Sean Parrish, the goal scorer, and suddenly the Blues are in front. Sean Parrish says, you're not singing anymore, Mac fans. Hedra get the back again by Ingram. Wrecking through to Ebden, Williams. Adams header finding Twynham, but a chance again now. Marcus Ebden going forward here. Willis on the edge of the area. Parrish is in. Parrish has scored, and it's 3-1 to Chesterfield. Sean Parrish on target again for the Blues, and the goal celebration comes from him. Referee wanting to make sure all the players are out of the penalty area. A line of red with Sean Parrish in the middle of it. Ryan Williams there as well in support. And it's Parrish versus Bullock. Oh, and the save. Williams, yes, Ryan Williams gets his second goal. Sean Parrish. The penalty in this, well, what's happening there? Tony Bullock's flat out now on the floor. And the referee, it appears, has not allowed the goal. The Sean Parrish has got to retake the penalty. Well, he hits it to the uh, left-hand side of the goal. It's mind games now between Sean Parrish and Tony Bullock. And that time... No problem, Sean Parrish gets his hat-trick for Chesterfield and it's 4-1. Did you, was that your only hat-trick then? Yeah, yeah, I'd score, I think I'd scored a couple. Uh, Doncaster where Exeter, I scored a two one day. But yeah, very rare, I'd, I'd scored two. The other occasion, um, I think again that season, I got, I got 10 or 11 in my first year at, at Northampton, I'd scored 10 or 11. So uh, um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a goal-scoring midfield, but... When when a midfielder chips in with with double figures, it's it's a good season in my in my eyes. So uh, yeah, I was pleased to to get a hat trick. I was going to say it's important, isn't it, to have midfielders that score? Sounds really obvious, but 
there's, there's seasons where there's a bit too much pressure pressure on your strikers and that um, can be a downfall sometimes. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, that, that, that was my game. It was just running beyond. I used to I used to just run and I said look for flick-ons off, off, off strikers that I played with. Um, and that was a big part of my game. And, and that's what I just don't... I'm not saying we don't see it. Like Lampard was and Gerrard. They were outstanding players, you know what I mean? And uh, But nowadays, I'd want to see midfielders get in the box or run beyond where a lot of it's played in, in front and, and very slow in the build-up. And I, and I get that, don't get me wrong. So uh, I'm probably thinking more that the League 2, League 1, League 2, when I played, was more of a direct. And, and, and I'm sure, but teams do play now. You, you get it now. The pitches are a lot better and teams are playing a lot more possession-based football. But uh, I enjoy the, the long balls, flick-ons and get on the end of it and try and uh, get on the end of it and score myself. So well, When you scored that hat-trick, you, I think it was the second goal, you were hopping on one leg. Yeah, I, I, I got really Kev. That was a bit of a... I, I'd sort of broke my ankle and leg sort of like two years into my sort of like last sort of midway through Northampton and, and Kevin Wilson sort of said, well, your ankle's not that great. And that was my sort of one of my rehab exercises, helping on one leg. So it was just to show Kev that, look, I've just scored another goal there. So my ankle can't be that bad after all, you know what I mean? So it was just a little message to Kevin Wilson at Northampton who, who sort of released me. So just to say, was I bitter? No, but I probably was deep down. <laughs> <laughs> say, were you sending in the VHS afterwards? <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's a thing. So, uh, but yeah, it was a, a little bit of a, a celebration just to, to sort of like show that my uncle wasn't too bad after all. Yeah, and then obviously second half of the season, things start to get a bit more turbulent, don't they, I suppose? Um... <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's, what's your take on it? What, what can you remember? What was your sort of take anyway? That well, I kind of, I kind of only really remember when, uh, when the takeover happened, like the, yeah. the following season when there was all the right. meetings and you know there was getting all the public support and and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't really remember it too much at the time, but like reading back, there's obviously all like the reports of you know turnstiles been turned off and, and all, the, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, and then obviously there was periods, I guess, where you were. Maybe not getting paid, or yeah, well, we had a, we had a couple of years, months where we, we didn't get our money and things like that. So that was again, it's it's massive, which which can affect obviously the the wives and the the, the kids and paying bills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it did affect us, and all I can remember, I think it was the first, I think we were training up at Warminster Road up in Sheffield because we used to use two bases, one in Chesterfield, one up in up in Sheffield on the outskirts of Sheffield, and and Nicky Law just Nicky pulled us together and said, look, lads. Um, the officers have been raided, as in police, football league, whatever. They've taken everything, and you know what I mean. Well, we'll have to update you on on whatever's whatever's going on and whatever it will be, sort of thing. So we just like every, then it's Chinese whispers. All of a sudden, people are all the lads get together back in the dressing room. What's going on? And it was funny. Rob Edwards was actually back in the day when the lads used to do, or somebody used to do like. A, uh, the vinyl LP or the CD would come out, wouldn't they? And somebody would copy a copy a CD that would go on a on a cheap CD and sell them instead of the the CD costing you 10, 12, 15 quid. Robbie Edwards was knocking them off for like about three or four quid. So uh, when he said, Nicky said, "Oh, the, we've been raided and everybody's the computers have been taken." Robbie went, "They haven't found my stash of CDs." <laughs> <laughs> So we had a stash of CDs, like now, now 27 or whatever it was back in the day. 
and he was knocking CDs off and songs off about two or three quid each. So uh, that's all I can really remember. And then again, there was obviously every day you'd go in, there was be a rumor we're getting banned, we're getting we're getting points taken off us, we're getting relegated and things like that. So we we just and Nicky was just really said, look, just keep focusing. We can't affect what they're doing. We had interviews sometimes. We had. We had uh, somebody from the football league coming in and questioning. We had, had money. Um, there was con- all the talks about Luke contracts uh, contract because he'd signed on a free transfer so somewhere else, and it went to a tribunal. Roger Willis. So there was something. I, honestly, there was that many rumours. I lost count, but we we just had to stick it out and perform. Come on a Tuesday, on a Saturday, with fans away, fans waving brown envelopes and in your face or whatever. And I said there was a count of, let's say, turnstiles and cash and money going missing or whatever. So uh, we just had to focus on, on on the game on a Saturday and getting three points. Yeah, I was going to say because you had obviously quite a few years of your career ahead of you. So I'm guessing it must have been pretty worrying that there might be some kind of action taken against players even if you've not done anything you've kind of get kind of put in that big melting pot of uh, yeah, the club I suppose it's- oh definitely and again there must have been obviously obviously after Darwin there was, there was issues must have been with Darwin with his payments when you start not getting paid and things like that you're thinking hang on a minute what's going on I know that because did he I'm not too sure you'll tell me did he own Sheffield Steelers at the same yeah, it was time a, or something like, yeah. so, like, I think there's about four or five different places I think you places, that's the thing so there was again these businessmen obviously and obviously but yeah we had no issues with him during the season but then it just seemed something must have happened and it all kicked off and Again, the rumour mill started, and uh, but again, we, we we focused on that. As again, that goes back to the the squad we had and the big personalities that we had at the time. We stuck together. We sort of said, and, and Nicky said, "Look, we will. We shut the dressing room door. Let not let's not get in, involved with anything. Hopefully, let's let not get get distracted. Let's just make sure that we're focused on on the three points. Come Saturday, come Tuesday nights." And get the job done, and obviously then the the hearing come out a bit not long after with the nine points getting deducted, um, but we were still up there because obviously the points we we achieved throughout the season anyway that we were we were still well in the playoffs anyway or the playoffs of promotion anyway. So yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for your honesty because it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I kind of want to ask him about stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I showed him right. <laughs> no, it's one of those things, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. it was, it was uncertain for for all the players, and it was just a shit, like a bombshell. At one stage, you're going in, the next thing you're getting raided and points deducted, getting relegated, players getting banned or whatever. And it was like it was at the time, but again, it was. I think it was more the I can remember the the thing of getting together, sticking together, right? That sort of siege mentality of going out there and picking on little old Chesterfield, really, and, and no, we ain't going to allow this, because we were, like, like I said, we were, I thought, we were the best best team in the league that year, and, and it did affect us at the time, and I can't remember when when we lost games or drew games around that time, because going in, into it, leading up to it, like I say, we were we were flying, and there was no, nobody could stop us, really. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose then you end up being like the Panto villains of the, the, the league, don't you? Because I read an article written from a very Brighton perspective because it was like one of them saying, you know, all of the league wanted uh, Chesterfield to lose lose the title, didn't want them to have the title because they wanted football done the proper way and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And then, like you say, the brown paper envelopes in the uh, from 
opposition fans and stuff. You were you were kind of panto villains, weren't you? For yeah, definitely. It was we were a good target, weren't we? And I think we enjoyed that as well. And when when we did, especially go away from home and we and we won, and we would celebrate. You know what I mean? And it was just like as a bit of not sticking two fingers up to people, but asking to to shut them up really. It's more than anything. Say no. We we've done nothing wrong. We're going to carry on, and I'll say we'll we'll, we'll accept that punishment, or the club did, um, whatever the foundings were, and we'll we'll carry on regardless. And like yeah. I say, even with the nine points taken off us, yeah, we we wouldn't have probably won the league, but we still got promoted anyway, going up in third. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and, and like you say, we kind of had to win promotion twice, kind of in the end. <laughs> it was a bit sur- surreal at times. It was. It was like. Are we up? Are we not up? Have we got enough points? So it was, it was accumulation of that season, and I, I think I was injured towards the end of the season. Yeah, so I, think I, I was going to ask you about that actually because you missed. I think uh, Rochdale uh, was in like March was your last game. I think you missed yeah. kind of seven odd games. Something like that. Game, yeah, my back. I think I had a, and that's what probably ended my not to end my career. I just seemed to have a a weak back, so I think it was probably either carrying a bit more more weight than I should have been at the front, which was pulling on me back. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I was, I was unfortunately injured, which uh, um, I was disappointed with because I was kind of enjoyed the season, the start of the season, and I wanted to see the season through. But I can remember actually sitting in the in the director's box, actually watching the game at the last game. Um, so it was a bit mixed emotions. Obviously pleased that we went up, but obviously disappointed that I was out on the on the pitch doing the doing the sort of business. Really, yeah. Did you still get to enjoy the party? Yeah, we. I think we had a night out in the. In Chesterfield, I think we stopped over. I think and that was another story. The, the Chesterfield Hotel, and uh, um, I think Mike Pollitt was either we were again not paid or we were due a payment. And if Mike didn't have his money that day, he would have he'd been entitled to a free transfer. So uh, I think they would did everything they could to pay Mike Pollitt. And I think uh, he had a lot of money owed to him, and uh, he had to put it in a way in, a, in the Chesterfield Hotel safe overnight because. Uh, they had to pay him because obviously they were they were endued obviously money if he did leave the club, obviously the next season which he did. But obviously they made sure that he didn't or he didn't we couldn't go on a free transfer. I think so. He had his money, but we had a we had a good night in town on the after the game anyway. So good 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 time. I thought you were going to say you paid for the paid for the night out for the spot. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice of him. I think I'll have to remind him yeah, next time. He, <laughs> he probably owes a few of us, but no, it was uh, it was good. It was. Uh, a great time, I say. I think it was a red hot day as well that day, and uh, it was a it was a good night as well. So, uh, uh, good good way to finish the season. Yeah. And then and then the next season. So you were kind of injured, weren't you, for the first? Yeah, it was a stop start season again. I can't really remember much. Uh, and obviously, Nicky left. I don't know, was it halfway through or whatever? I think he went to Bradford, didn't he? I think him and Nicky. So that was a bit of a blow as well. And uh, Dave, Dave sort of took over, didn't he? As a bit of a caretaker, I think. Rush and uh, ended up getting the job. And uh, obviously that was the end of my sort of like two years, really. So it was a, it pitted out to a bit of a, bit of a non. Again, I can't remember how many games what I played that second season. You'll have if you've got the stats there. Yeah, I'll be I, think you start, to... I think you started eleven, and I think you made yeah. about nine sub appearances, something so, like that. Yeah, so yeah, I think I, again it was just some nagging back, which I seemed to come back, and then it flare up again. So uh, yeah, put put holes, and I think that's ultimately why probably uh, I was released. Really, that, that sort of end of the season, Dave sort of said, "Look, obviously uh, we're not going to offer an offer in a contract," which was again nothing that he could do, and there wasn't many sour grapes or anything. It was just again the injury didn't didn't really help myself. So yeah, and I suppose what how did things change? 
kind of around the club and around the squad because obviously things have changed a lot, haven't they? Yeah, that's the thing. A few players left again. I can't remember now who who had actually gone um, and who stayed. Um, but just the, the the feel again, the feel good factor is hard when you have that season where it was going so good and so together to to get a bit fragmented and people leave. Um, did, did Reeves leave in the end or Luke Beckett? No, Luke, I think stayed. Ian Brecken left. I think there was a few left, and it just it's like any every club. Unfortunately, again, more so now where the lower leagues nobody stays there for for a long time. It's very rare that a player will stay at a club for again, again, 10, 10 seasons. Nice testimonials probably unheard of now, but um, two or three four year contracts or one year, two year deals are given out, but not very rarely that a team sticks together for so long and. Uh, Unfortunately, players left, and like I was one of them, and uh, it just seemed to be a bit of a, a damn squid really after such a, a good first season. Yeah, I suppose like looking back, it's it's kind of somehow it's it's looked back as a successful time in many ways because the club was saved and it didn't go bust. But like you say, like on the pitch, I think we finished like 18th that season. Yeah, we yeah. staying up was an achievement. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. No, again, that that was the main, that was the main again. When you when you talk about it now, that was the the, the club that the, the fans definitely rallied round, and there was again bucket collections and things like that. So it was it was to keep them going. Really, that was the that was the big thing on the back of the the season that we'd already had with the euphoria and the, the feel good factor around the place. It was like chalk and cheese. So like you said, it was the the most important thing was that the the team stayed up and they carried on rather than going into administration or whatever it was and, and, and never being a club there anymore so uh, that was the most important thing which which obviously the club did and the fans rallied around and again that that was the biggest thing the fans just I enjoyed my two years the, the first year without a doubt was my most memorable one for all the all the right reasons but uh, the fans and the togetherness that the team showed on and off the pitch was uh, was fantastic I thought Bennett into Milligan. Oh, that's a good turn. Paris is making a good run. Can it be found? Yes, he can. Oh, yes, that's a great finish by Sean Parrish. Brilliant build-up play. Milligan played a killer pass through to Parrish. And he just taps it past the keeper. And the Harriers lead 1-0. Uh, yeah, and then you did move on. You did play for uh, a bit longer, didn't you? But were you, were you already starting to think about what you might be doing yeah, definitely. I went to Kidderminster and uh, again, moved again. We moved again then to Telford, uh, where I am now. So uh, it was uh, it was coming to the end. And again, my body was telling me in a way, although I could have carried on a little bit, which I did when I went to Telford after. But then two seasons at Kidderminster, again, bit, bit part in and out, a uh, few injuries. Uh, but I started to take my, my coaching badges then. So I started to do my UA for B. Um, at Kidderminster and I carried it on started to do a bit of community work sort of local local coaching around the Telford area as well because uh, that was a that's what I ended up what I'm still doing now to touch wood um, which I enjoy and uh, I, I continue to do now so uh, I started to plant the seeds so to speak because um, I knew my career was, was was obviously coming to the end really Yeah and obviously if uh, I don't want to sound condescending but you've done very you've done very well <laughs> you're, you're doing well you're at Wolves now 
Yeah, that's the thing. Obviously, obviously at the time when I went to Telford then, which was in the non-league, again, a, a club which I had a spell before, they actually did go bust. So I went to Telford, which was a AFC Telford, which was a new club. Um, I managed to, to obviously go and get out the Univon Division 1 at the time where they were at. They were dropped from, from obviously the conference, whatever, for obviously three, four, five divisions low. Um, and that was something that, that obviously Chesterfield managed not to do. Where unfortunately, Telford did. So... Uh, um, I played there for a couple of years, but did the coaching. Um, ended up going back to Northampton for for sort of six years as youth team manager, um, academy manager, bit of first team coaching. Ended up being with the Eddie Boothroyd, Andy King, and Tim Flowers at the at the first team end. Um, but then got an offer with the with Wolves Academy. Um, would I be interested? Obviously, going with the under 18s which I've been there now for eight, nine years. Now I'm working my way up to the under-23s, assistant, assistant coach, but I've worked with a different age group, 16s, 18s, did a little bit of a spell with a, with Telford as well. So I was doing two jobs one year. That was hard work with Telford Conference North and I was doing the 23s. Um, but I'm something I'm passionate about, player development, uh, improving young players and seeing them develop into obviously better players if they, if they fly the nest and move away from Wolves or they, they break into the first team and uh, it's great to see all these players that hopefully have had a not an impact because every coach has had an impact I never, would never say that I've created a player because there's so many obviously coaches that have, have as a player has developed from the age of whatever they've started in the academy in under nines um, so the, every every coach has played a, a little bit of part on their careers and it's nice to see players um, a, a lot of clubs that I've uh, come across. Yeah, and I was talking to um, Paul Hall, who's at uh, QPR, uh, kind of, yeah. and uh, and he was kind of talking about how the 23s kind of group is arguably the hardest, one of the hardest groups to to be with because you're, you're kind of dealing with um, kind of young men that are that might get the dreams completely crushed, or yeah. or you're trying to keep the feet on the ground uh, uh, and stuff like that. So, it's a difficult age group, isn't it? To... Definitely. I've obviously know Paul very well. I've been on course with Paul and um, it's, it's, he's really, I can't obviously just tell him, obviously agree with him anymore because it's you're like a, you're like a psychologist because you're, you're managing a group who, who thinks they should be in the first team or training with the first team one day, then they're back with you the next day. How they, how they deal with things mentally um, away from the pitch, off the pitch, on the pitch, it, it's so it's, it's a challenge, a real challenge, which I enjoy. And you you obviously have to speak to them, and obviously you manage their emotions, and and obviously give them advice, pull them to one side, put an arm around them, give them a bollocking one day maybe in the right way. And it's it's a challenge, and, and really is because um, they they see and they maybe their agents telling them one thing, the mums and dads are telling them another, the the teammates are telling them another thing, and it is it's a it's a really tough. Tough, it is a tough age group to do, um, but something that I have done and hopefully continue to do for a, a long time to, to come. Yeah, do you still show them a few goals on the? Uh, I, I tend to not so much now, you know what I mean. But uh, yeah, if they a little bit of entertainment and, uh, but again, the, the, I think the uh, the old beta max and the VHS uh, are not there anymore. So it's hopefully they are still on YouTube now again. So they they have a little bit of a laugh and that. So. Uh, um, it's good to remind them, and, and they keep saying, "Is that you? Is that you?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it is, and uh, 
Um, obviously working alongside the first team, I think the new new managers been appointed today, so uh, that'll be interesting at Wolves to see uh, see what uh, he brings and how he wants to work with the 23s because that might be completely different to the the last manager and how they work with us. So uh, it's going to be uh, hopefully an exciting next few weeks. We'll be back on the 29th of June. Uh, pre-season training they won't be long now and I'm sure uh, the first team are back or the non-internationals who are not on international duty with yours they'll be back and it'll be hopefully you'll be looking at some of our our young players um, to, to, to run the rule over them and uh, see if anybody catches his eye so to speak so it's a great opportunity now on on some of our young players to impress do you have any managerial ambitions or anything like that or are you quite happy? Um, hand on heart no to be honest with you I'm more the the sort of good cops, or the, the the manager can be the head coach, and he can be the bad cop, and he can give all the rollickings, and I'm hopefully the good cop who who tries to lift him again, and has a little bit of uh, not so much the banter. This banter is at the right time, and everybody has some banter, and that's my biggest strength. Is one of my the humour side of me, um, but I've, I've got to be that serious, Sean, as well at times, which the players know. Um, but no, I wouldn't say. But but then again, you never say never because if an opportunity come along. Then maybe, maybe yes, but at the minute I'm quite happy doing that assistant role where I'm supporting the manager, supporting the young players, and improving them individually and collectively. Yeah, and kind of going kind of full circle back to Chesterfield, I suppose. Uh, are, are there any are there any people that you still bump into from from kind of Chesterfield times? Because it's quite a small world, isn't it? And there's coaches. There's quite a few ex Chesterfield yeah. players coaches. Under yeah, there is. Uh, obviously, Paul Hall, like I say, John Howard, I speak to now and again when he when he can answer his phone. Um, I had a few spells with Chris Perkins. I'd bump into him at Derby, but I think he's gone to Everton, if I'm right. Tom Curtis, I did speak to at the FA uh, quite a bit now and again. So, uh, so yeah, I do. Nicky, Nicky, I must admit, Nicky's recruitment at Burnley, isn't he, with, with Sean Dyche? So uh, he'll pick my brains up on, on some players if he if I've seen anybody, if we're releasing anybody at Wolves. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there is, but there's a lot of the time you, you are ships at night, but there is the odd occasion that you do speak to people on, on even a, on a course or, or a meeting sometime. Uh, and it's great to, again, the memories come flooding back and the, the banter and the, and the Mickey taking star all over again. So it's like, like you said, it's never, it never goes away from us. I think you're all big kids. I think footballers are. And uh, when they all meet up, it is, it's, uh, it's fun to be around. Yeah. And, and kind of finally for me, I just wondered, it, we're kind of 20 years away now, but are there any uh, kind of memories that really stick out from that promotion season? Um. Oh God. No. I, again, I know that the the issues we had at Brighton, obviously the 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 bit of the the banter. I think that was the second year, wasn't it, when we went there? And I was going to mention. I forgot to mention that the two two draw. At, the two at two draw, wasn't it? Because me, I think I scored one, didn't I? And then was it Mark Innes? I think scored. If I'm if I'm right, I might be wrong. We we'll be two 0 down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was back. And I heard about there was there was a fight afterwards. Yeah, and I think, oh God, if you look back, I think Andy Dursel might have been referee as well. It was my my affiliation with referees. They're not my best friends at all, and uh, I must admit, he he winds me up anyway. So it was just a a, a, to score and to obviously to draw away from home, and then they were in port cabins right at the back of the Withdean, and then all of a sudden. 
I don't know what was said or what was there was either squirty bottles or something was said, and then about 20, 30 players and subs were all congregated in the the floor seemed to to drop about four foot. And it was like the referees and the stewards and everything. It was just uh, we were hoarded back on the bus, told to not sit by the windows, pull the curtains across, or just in case no bricks come through as a parting shot to say goodbye for any fans. But I think it all passed uh, passed out smoothly in the end. I always give 100%. I said I wasn't the greatest player. I want to look back when I was 35, 36. I wanted to tell my kids, well, I did that. I, did, I didn't have no regrets. I was just a, a lower league player who could run, who was quite fit, uh, box-to-box player. Uh, and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I, that's all I ever wanted to do as a kid. Growing up, and my mum and dad, and my nan and granddad, uh, I was never without football. And they always used to say, oh, he's going to play football one day. And just to, if you would know, been one... One league appearance, I would have been quite happy if I can say I, I, I'd been a professional footballer. But to make make a few, whatever it was, three hundred odd or whatever, and score a few goals, and to ultimately play at Wembley, that was God. That's that's my dream, and uh, uh, nobody can ever take that away from me. And uh, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Yes, I could have done more, could have played higher, but I wasn't good enough. I played lower league, and I was quite happy with that. Hey, well, lower league appreciates you. <laughs> so, so, if, if uh, final thing for me, if Chesterfield and Wrexham are in a playoff final together next year, who's which uh, which stand are you sitting in? <laughs> Come on, Good you know question. you're on Chesterfield. Good question. I would, I would probably say I'd have to say in a way I'd say Wrexham because because I was born there, but I must admit they are not. They didn't let me go. I, I left on my own accord to to go to Everton, but I was disappointed. Never had a, an opportunity at Wrexham, but I scored against them when I was at Kidderminster in front of the cop there. So hand on heart, I'd probably say yes. I'd be in the uh, in the spire right end cheering on Chesterfield. <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> <laughs>